Hey, I want to share with you just a simple story out of the Reeves family's life. Uh, but this story will be uh, a little sensitive. So if you've got young kids taking in this video, uh, you may want to hear this first before they hear it, or you certainly will need to explain some of the content of my story uh, when I complete it. I got a text from a buddy of mine that I've known for a long time. Uh, he, he's black, and uh, we've been going back and forth over the course of the last couple of weeks. And here's how it reads. He says, my faith in the Lord Jesus will never be moved, exclamation point. However, I'm struggling to love his people right now, just so you know. So, so there's all the politics, there's all the debate, we'll let all that go, right? We'll, we'll let that uh, hold for another day. Let's just talk about inside the church. This is a brother in Christ that I've known for over 30 years, and he's just struggling. It's a difficult time. And so I shared this story about, about Cheryl's childhood with a variety of my friends to try to explain the struggle, and let me, let me just share it with you. Uh, Cheryl was in elementary school. Her parents sent her to... Uh, little Christian school uh, uh, so that she could learn the Bible, and they thought it would be a really healthy place for her to go. It's a fundamental Baptist church school. You know, it was all, all in one. and They did a bunch of crazy stuff, you know, including a pretty strict dress code and a variety of things. And uh, while she was in elementary school, there was a senior guy at the high school uh, that was a part of this same organization that approached Cheryl, coerced her, uh, into some very uncomfortable situations at first, and then eventually abused Cheryl sexually as a little girl. Uh, today, classify what he did as rape. This didn't happen one time. It didn't happen two times. It happened day after day after day after day. It went on for weeks and even months. Cheryl was lost in the abuse. She's trying to find her way as she explains it during that, that very formative time of her life, she felt full of fear. She came to school. She was afraid to tell anybody. And eventually, she worked up the courage to talk to the administration of the school. And they just failed miserably. They uh, swept it under the carpet. In one way or another, they kind of made Cheryl feel like she was a part of the problem as an elementary age little girl. And... Uh, handled it horribly. So as you hear that story, you can probably imagine how I reacted when I first heard the story. I was a young man, and I wanted to go find this 18-year-old and beat him to death. That, that was my first reaction on the inside, and I had to work through that. Uh, when I later, as I grew and understood responsibility and leadership and heard how the administration handled that situation, I'm still mad about it. You want to burn the building down, right? You want to close that school forever. You want to hold those authorities accountable for how they've handled the situation. It's just infuriating. But that's how I felt, and I didn't suffer any of the pain. Cheryl actually suffered the pain. And uh, through the grace of God, and many of you have been through very difficult experiences. Through the grace of God, God began to heal her from those wounds. Um, though fear really was a big part of her early development, he began to give her relief from that fear. And uh, man, we've been able to enjoy 30 years together in marriage. So, so um, you know, we, we're still able to be intimate physically, emotionally, spiritually, all those good things that come in a married life. 
But there are certain moments when a story will come up on the news, and Cheryl will hear about it, uh, that that thing that's been scarred over and is now a healthy part of her life and even part of her ministry, personal ministry, it, it uh, gets uncovered a bit and the pain resurfaces. And that, that often for Cheryl creates sadness, makes her want to be, if you know Cheryl, she's pretty extroverted. She wants to be alone. She hides out in a room. It only happens for, it's only happened really a couple times in our whole married life. But when it happens, it's significant. And as you hear the story, you certainly empathize with Cheryl because you know Cheryl. Uh, for many of you, she's your friend. You, you've interacted with her on one level or another, or you know her through me. And so, so your heart goes out to her and how she suffers with that pain. When it comes up, uh, even though it's very rare, comes up and uh, makes her mistrust people. Uh, and that makes complete sense, doesn't it? Don't you see that that's what our black brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, right? Radius body of Christ. The body of Christ across the country. Take all the politics off the table again. Just the believers, the part of our family. When they see an event happen in the news and another one's going to come soon, we all know it. It just, it just pulls away. At that, for many of them, that thing that Jesus has healed and they've been able to operate in despite the dysfunction even in the church on some of these issues, they've been able to operate as great followers of Jesus. And this thing, this one in particular, has just exposed their hearts and some pain in it. And so just like you did with Cheryl, you and I in the church, oh, we're supposed to empathize, supposed to hurt with, shed a few tears on their behalf, and even, as my buddy explained, help bring change. Certainly, if, if you had the opportunity for my wife, when she was a little elementary school girl, to advocate for her, you would, right? Like, you, you would have gone straight to the school and handled this. You said, this can never happen again to another little girl, and you fight for it, and, and all that's right. And so that's what we're asking. We're asking the church to be the church and to love its family well because we've hurt many on this particular issue. Psalm 138 does a great job of just walking us through what we can do. Psalm 138 is it's written by David. It's not written with this cause in mind, and I won't try to make it sound like it. But it does, again, recenter us on who our king is and on what kingdom we're most allegiant to. And that's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, all men and women were made in God's image, right? As a matter of fact, that's true even if you're not a part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But everybody in the kingdom of Jesus Christ is related to his father. We all call him daddy. We're all connected to him at the same level because we get there through the blood of Jesus Christ which makes it a uh, wonderful place where because of the redemption by the blood of Jesus, man, all our sin's gone, so we're, we're able to be in, that, in, in his presence and freedom. Like we have this crazy freedom. All the things that our world holds high, 
Like so many things that, that, that it holds high that are, are just absolutely wrong. That's not how it's supposed to work in a kingdom. And that's not, how it's, it's not supposed to work in the church. Psalm 138. The writer writes, uh, David writes, I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I'll sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. I give you thanks, O Lord, with all of my heart. Does that make you a little uncomfortable? Anytime I say all, it makes me a little uncomfortable because I don't know if I'm telling the truth. As my buddy texted me the other day, he just wanted to remind me that he is deeply connected to Jesus and that's never going to change. And, and the writer, as he's walking through life, he, he starts this psalm. You can imagine him singing it out. I give you thanks with all of my heart. You ever written that uh, thank you letter where you actually had a little lump in your throat because of the gift that was given you? It probably wasn't something physical. It probably was a lot of time or investment by another person in your life. And you took the time finally to take out your pen and and pull out a piece of paper and, and write to them how you feel. And you thank them with all of your heart. None of us do that perfectly. You can never get all of our insides, all of our feelings on one piece of paper or out of our mouth just at one time. But, but David is saying, in this moment, I want to. I want all of my heart to thank you, Jesus, for the redemption. In our case, it's Jesus for the redemption that he's provided for us. And then he has this really cool Second line that I, I want us to stew on just a little bit. He says, I will sing of your praises before the gods. What does that mean? Right? NLT's got little g gods. There's a variety of comments on what little g gods is. But as I read it and wrote in my journal, last summer I was going through the Psalms. I wrote in my journal, what are the little g gods that I need to make sure I sing his praises above? For me, it's pretty easy. On the second page uh, of my phone, when I, when I hit the Internet, it comes up with a couple icons that I look at all the time. For those of y'all that are Clemson fans, you know one of mine is TigerNet, right? So when I go to TigerNet, I have to ask myself, and that, my thumb hits that little icon. I got to ask myself, is, am I praising the Lord above a 17-year-old safety that's coming out of Texas and coming to Clemson, right? Because for some reason, that article can actually grab my heart and I can give it my emotions and my focus in a way that sometimes my worship of the living God doesn't match. I got to check that. You need to check that. Uh, right now, I have Craigslist on my phone. So I'm looking for a used Honda, right? And so you Click that little icon and Craigslist comes up. I've got preloaded for Honda Accord and I got this range of years that I'm looking at for a car and I start flipping through the cars and I mean, it, in some weird way, it kind of sucks me in, doesn't you? It sucks me into this dreaming about which Honda Accord I'm going to have. And the next thing you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a Honda Accord. I mean, nothing to be too excited about, but it can actually begin to move itself into important of a spot. And my worship of the living God slides down and it slides up. And, and so when David, I, I really believe as I read, he says, I will sing your praises before the gods. I'm singing about God above the Honda Accords and the Clemson Tigers. And 
you know, as we go into this uh, political season where every four years we have, you know, crazy debates and all kind of chaos and folks are arguing with their ideology for the greatness of the United States of America, it's easy to make the USA the place where we place all of our hope. And I just need to tell you, if, if that's the case, if you're placing all of your hope in the United States of America, one, you're going to be disappointed, and two, possibly you're worshiping a small g God above the living God of the Bible. So easy for our mind and emotions and energy to go to something else that really we, we know better, but it sneaks up on us. So check your heart. Be a good discussion to have at the house when this is all over. He says, David writes, I bow down before your holy temple as I worship. That should bother you because you know the Bible a little bit. David didn't build the temple that he wanted to, so there was no temple in Israel. And so when David says, I bow down before your holy temple, he's not talking about the temple that Solomon, his son's going to, it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be immaculate. David really wanted to build it, but God wouldn't allow him, so his son Solomon built it after David's death. So what's he talking about? Many, many folks believe that he's talking about what, what we call the tabernacle, which was actually, uh, there's the tent that functioned as Israel's temple. It had a section in it where the Holy of Holies was, where, where God resided. Obviously, we all know that uh, the holy, omnipotent, omniscient God can't be held inside some curtains or in a beautiful building. But it was the place where the priest operated and, and did all their sacrifices. And David is saying, look, I respect God. And when I pray, I pray toward his temple. For us at Radius, since the very day we started, we constantly said the church is not a building. Right, right now I'm sitting at Radius Lexington uh, being able to speak this video for you, and I'm sitting in a place that used to be a Piggly Wiggly of all places. I imagine this was the meat market right where I'm sitting. So this place is not holy. What makes the place holy is God. And it is amazing that he calls us, his people, the church. He calls us the church. And the only thing that makes us special is that Jesus died for us and he redeemed us. And now we can, we can claim a relationship with his father. Not, not a distant relationship, but we can actually call him our father. Makes us a special people. He literally claims and teaches that you and I are his ambassadors on earth. So we represent the living God here on earth. That's exciting. It's not about the building. We're not hoping that the Midlands is excited about all the Radius buildings, though we're pretty excited about them. We enjoy them, but we really want them to be excited about you, the church, and more importantly, Jesus, our King. He says, and this is a pretty interesting statement, he says, I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. So David's speaking about Yahweh, He's speaking about God the Father. You and I often, when we say a statement like that, we're speaking about Jesus. God the Son, I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by all, your honor, by all the honor of your name. I love that statement. So his name is associated with unfailing love and faithfulness. And so his name, when he makes a promise, you can count on it. I got a uh, buddy named Carl Banks. He's a, a, 
a black friend of mine for many years, and there's been all this discussion going on right now about race. Uh, it's been going on on the site where the college that he and I graduated, where a bunch of the graduates of that college, they get on there and they correspond on our stuff. As you can imagine, I don't participate, but Cheryl does. And so she's been walking through this and there's been some debate, some heated debate, and some of it's very mature. Some of it's not so mature. Some of it uh, uh, seems, a, a, quite honestly, like, um, I don't know, a little ignorant at times even like where it, folks are just shooting stuff back and forth. And finally, somebody pipes in, Cheryl says, and says, I want to hear from Carl Banks. You know why? Because of his name. Because even when we were in college, people wanted to hear from Carl Banks because he was known for his unfailing love and faithfulness to people. He loved people. He knew the word. He'd been transformed by the Holy Spirit, and all that was completely obvious. And in the midst of all this, people want to hear from Carl Banks as he uh, really becomes the leader. <laughs> he already was a leader, but he becomes a leader in this specific situation because, of it, because he's African-American, because of the color of his skin. He has this opportunity. And what, what I loved about it, instead of engaging in all, of, all this stuff, uh, Carl eventually, through a couple of things, just puts out his phone to him. Hey, if you want to talk, call me. Right? That's great leadership. Some of y'all probably ought to take that in right now. Instead of engaging with a bunch of words, some people call us cowards behind the keyboard. Take out your phone number and say, hey, man, call me. Let's talk about this thing because then if I listen for a little while, right, if I listen for a little while, then maybe that'll change what comes out of my mouth and, and, and I'll be able to manage all this so much better. But let me tell you something. Our God when you call out his name, it's associated with unfailing love and faithfulness. Despite the jacked up nature of the church at times, Jesus, his name, unfailing love and faithfulness. Verse 3 reads, as soon as I pray you answer, you encourage me by giving me strength. Anybody, how's that feel to you? As soon as I pray you answer. How's that worked out for you lately? Like, while you're praying, does the Lord deliver? Right? Yeah, he does. And I want you to hear this verse as I believe it was written. I believe what David is saying is when he prays, the Lord is there and he listens. Doesn't mean he always gives David what he wants, but he's always present. He's always listening. And oftentimes, I don't know how this works for you, but when I pray, I leave with peace that I didn't have when I started. I remember when I planted my first church. I was uh, about 28 leading this church, and it had grown, and, and uh, some of the weight of the decisions began to weigh on my shoulders, uh, trying to lead people well and uh, learn to be a good shepherd, even though I was inexperienced and young and had a lot to learn. Had to make financial decisions and stuff like that would weigh on me, and there was this little, this little softball field. I would go down and walk around the softball field, walk circles. They had a little creek down there, and I walked by the creek and just try to move myself away from the pressures and begin to focus on the Lord and speak to him about the pressures, but also just speak to him about who he is. And over the course, sometimes it take an hour, sometimes it take two. Over the course of that time, this peace would eventually come over me, and really, truly, I'd walk away feeling strong. I got there feeling weak, and I walked away feeling strong. Oftentimes, he didn't just provide an answer to my financial issues at the moment, right? 
or to uh, the struggles of a young parent raising a bunch of kids or to the leadership issues at the church. All those things didn't just get solved in the moment. So he, he didn't answer me directly to those issues, but he did give me strength. He answered my call. You understand? I want that for you. Even now, you might need to tell your husband, hey, would you please, maybe not tell, ask him nicely. Please watch the kids for a couple hours. I, I need, I got to go walk the neighborhood a couple times. I need to try to get myself aligned with the Lord. All the chaos of the world, I can't figure out what I'm doing, and I need a minute. Not just a minute to rest your eyes or, or uh, be distracted, but actually focusing on the Lord and regain that strength. Verse 4, every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord. For all of them will hear your words. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways, for the glory of the Lord is very great. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Pretty, pretty cool. The king of Israel, the, great, the greatest king in the history of Israel, who was often at war with other nations in, in the establishment of the kingdom of Israel during his reign, that is David. Uh, he says, every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord. Eventually, they'll all line up and recognize how great you are. I don't know if you know this, but if you knew the Old Testament fairly well, the, the first part, the older part of the Bible uh, teaches that the people of Israel were responsible, beginning with the promise to Abraham and continuing on with his children, they were responsible to take the good news about Yahweh, God the Father, to the world. They were supposed to share his law. They were supposed to give all of that to the world as a gift. They were his representatives on the planet. And as we talked last week, they had lost their way. And uh, by, the, by the time Jesus comes, they were so consumed, even though they were a people who were oppressed, they, they were so consumed with who they were that they couldn't give. They were constantly battling to state who they were. Say. a... Uh, Really interesting moment for, for our black folks here at Radius because many of them are leading right now. Though uh, African Americans in our country have often been oppressed, uh, much in a systemic way, but sometimes very individualistic, now they're being asked to lead. The mic is in their hands or in your hands if you're taking this in right now. And it's an opportunity to lead by pointing the world back to Jesus. Some of it you've got to describe and help, help folks that are shaded like me understand some of the struggles that you've walked through. But at the end, you have to keep taking them back and getting them to submit to the Lord. Some of you taking this in right now are, are privileged. Like you, you, you've had a lot. And this is a moment for you to lead people back to our King Jesus. And the way you do that, he says it in, in, in verse 6, is through humility. By this deep desire to, to take some information in. It doesn't, when, when we say, listen, we don't mean you have to do what people say. We mean you need to hear it. Like, let it go all the way in your mind and work its way down to your heart. And then you're able to actually speak. You can speak with confidence. As God works out that information, you run it through his grid and you do it in a healthy way under his authority. Verse 6 says, Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. 
as you read that, you, uh, you, you can only think about the deliveries of all the ideologies that are being pressed right now on social media, on the, uh, on the mainstream media, and, and how many times you take it in and think, man, that guy's humble. That lady, she's humble don't sell, so they don't put it on. The Lord is great. He cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. <laughs> you don't want them to get too close. Why is this? Because when we're proud, we got it all taken care of. We got it all figured out. We can make the world work like heaven if everybody would just listen to us. We're humble. We want to hear others, but more importantly, we want to hear him. And we've got him in his proper place above us all as the great authority. We want to hear what he has to say, and we want to take in his word and move on it. Church, we're still fighting for that. We, we have the opportunity to lead in that way, and it's a humble way. It's the way Jesus led. Verse 7, though I'm surrounded by my troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for, for my life, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. It's a crazy close to a pretty cool song that David wrote. As he says, uh, I'm surrounded by my troubles. I mean, this has been a pretty upbeat psalm so far. Right? And then all of a sudden he says, I'm surrounded by my troubles. Help me. He says, protect me. He knows his enemies are out there and they're angry at him, even though he's the greatest king in the history of his nation. And he has this great line, reach out your hand. The power of your right hand saves me. You just picture him, David, struggling with one of his hands to reach out for the strong right hand of God. And then when they make contact and he's able to grab God's right hand, he actually experienced all the power and the love and the grace and the goodness of God. It's all his in relationship with God. He joins hands and he partners with the great God of the Bible. As I've already mentioned, many of us have, uh, man, through this season, sometimes we haven't even been able to really articulate how overwhelmed we are with all the chaos. And this is a moment. You're going to sing a couple songs here in just a minute. To reach out your left or right hand and ask God for his strong right hand. And remember the confidence and the joy that comes from walking with him and interacting with him. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. It's a, it's a moment where some of our finances are in, in, in flux and we don't know exactly how they're working because of the COVID thing. There's some moments for, for some of our people of color as a part of Radius where they're really wondering where all this is going to end up. Is it really going to be any change? The uh, political landscape is just crazy. And some of y'all are really afraid one way or the other of who's going to be the next president of the United States. And we have this opportunity to say the Lord will work out his plans for my life. There's all this rest in the fact that he's sovereign. He's not going to be overwhelmed by any of it. It actually says for your faithful love it will endure forever, as, as my buddy texted. 
He's never had any doubt about the fact that Jesus loves him, right? There's never been any. He, he wonders about the church sometimes. There's never been any doubt about Jesus, and there's a ton of confidence and joy that comes from that simple statement. This last statement I thought was particularly cool and great way to end. Don't abandon me, for you made me. How, how does that fit with I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart? Don't abandon me, for you made me. I, I think that ought to bring a little solace to everybody taking this in. He, here's this great father, a man after God's own heart. He just wants to say, Lord, don't leave me. He knows the character of God. He knows that God's not going to leave me, but he wants to state out loud, I need you. I'm not independent. I need you. You made me. He goes back to the fact that he was made in the image of God, that he was chosen by God in his case to lead this nation. He goes back to the IOG, that he's made in the image of God, and he says, don't abandon me. You made me. I'm yours. Stay with me. And God obliges, and he will oblige you. great thing for you to do with your family right now would be uh, to make that statement, make a simple statement that God made us. He's not going to abandon us. I'm going to take another day this week to fast and pray. I think uh, in lieu of all the chaos, it is uh, really appropriate. This week in particular, I'm going to pray for uh, one group of folks. Last week, I, I prayed specifically for three of my black friends that I've known for a long time, and I texted them at the end of the day, and I told them that I prayed for them. And this week, I'm going to continue to pray for the black community, but specifically the one here in Lexington. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pray for some folks that I know by name. I'm going to pray for them as a group of folks in Lexington and even in the Midlands. And I'm going to ask the Lord, what do you want to do with us? How do you want to use radius to bless that group of people? We'll leave the politics for the politicians, right? If you're passionate about that, be passionate about it. Just don't let that be the place where you place your hope. So instead, join with me. Let's place our hope in Jesus and then be obedient to him. And, and let's pray for folks that uh, it's been a difficult season for. Join me as I pray now. Lord, your word is good, it brings rest to my soul, and I'm thankful. I don't know where I'd be without you, Lord. Thank you for saving me, for chasing me down. Thank you for confronting my sin on a regular basis and making me right with you as I repent and say I'm sorry. Thank you for protecting me from some of the bandwagon stuff that this world throws out in front of me on a regular basis. and Thank you for forgiving me when I've jumped on one of those bandwagons and had to jump back off. Pray for all of our folks here at Radius, Lord. I, I, I really, you're the good shepherd. <laughs> oh, man, we're, we're just under shepherds. We got a little responsibility, but you're the good shepherd, Lord. And we pray you would lead us, lead us right now in the midst of all that. And even on Wednesday as we take another day to fast, um, we're doing that not, not to try to impress you, Lord, but to make a strong statement that we believe you are our leader and we want to follow you. I trust you with all that. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.